Welcome once again to Ebon International's module on Sustainable Consumption and Production. In our previous discussion, we were able to review the concepts, systems, and processes of sustainable consumption and production vis-a-vis -vis our daily lives. We also looked back to various stages of production systems such as pre-industrialization, capitalism, and monopoly capitalism and its connection to the productive forces and relations of production. We closed module one by saying, now more than ever, the world needs a better and more sustainable system of consumption and production. Now, in this module's part two, what is sustainable consumption and production, or simply SCP, we will be talking about the contextual or operational definition of SCP. There are many and evolving definitions of what a sustainable consumption and production is, but when we talk about SCP, it is best that we anchor the term on the concept of producing and using resources without risking its depletion and endangering access for future generations. As stated in the module, SCP is an important aspect of sustainability. In fact, SCP has been part and parcel of sustainable development discussion as early as 1987 when the so-called Our Common Report was first read at the United Nations or the UN General Assembly of the same year. So now, before we proceed to our discussion proper, let us check what our activity for the module is. As our activity, we will be organizing our pre-existing notions of SCP by visually and systematically representing our ideas into a mind map. Here, you have to create your own mind map of SCP. Type sustainable consumption and production at the center of your word file and key in a word phrase, or any group of words that comes to your mind when we talk about SCP. Use the following questions as your guide. 1. How would you define sustainability or sustainable consumption and production in your own terms? 2. What does it mean to live sustainably? As an example, you will see on my screen the words and group of words that I and my co-presenters and co-developers for this module have provided. You will see here that in relation to sustainable consumption and production, we have the words labor and manufacturing, intentional living, waste management, environment issues, responsible consumption, greenwashing, climate change, and eco-friendly products. What about you? What are the words that you can relate to and associate with sustainable consumption and production? Now, what differences do you notice? Is there anything you can easily spot? What are the problems with the current mainstream definition or definitions of SCP? How is it considered a problem? Now provide your mind map and turn it in together with your answers to the last four questions when you are ready. 
Let us now have the discussion. What is sustainable consumption and production? Several processes have attempted to define and redefine SCP to facilitate implementation such as the 1992 Rio Summit, the 2002 World Summit on Sustainable Development, and the 2012 Rio Plus 20 Conference. But perhaps the most commonly used definition is based on the 1994 Oslo Symposium where sustainable consumption and production is defined as the use of services and related products which respond to basic needs and bring a better quality of life while minimizing the use of natural resources and toxic materials as well as the emissions of waste and pollutants over the life cycle of the service or product so as not to jeopardize the needs of further generations. Alternatively, the United Nations Environment Program, or the UNEP, offers its own definition as follows. SCP is a holistic approach to minimizing the negative environmental impacts from consumption and production systems while promoting the quality of life for all. Today, the concept of SCP is enshrined in the Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, as goal number 12, referred to in the 2030 Agenda as follows. Governments, international organizations, the business sectors, and other non-state actors and individuals must contribute to changing unsustainable consumption and production patterns, including through the mobilization from all sources of financial and technical assistance to strengthen developing countries' specific technological and innovative capacities to move towards more sustainable patterns and cons of consumption and production. We encourage the implementation of the 10-year framework of programs on sustainable consumption and production. All countries take action with developed countries taking the lead, taking into account the development and capabilities of developing countries. Now that we have defined SCP, let us have a discussion on the brief history of SCP. The history of SCP is closely intertwined with the concept of sustainability itself. Even before the Burntland Report was released to the public in 1987, discussion around the planet's finite resources and ecological tipping points were starting to take shape in the 1970s. Thus, the concept of sustainability was put to the fore along with the recognition that if mankind is to continue its era of prosperity, it had to take on more sustainable forms of consumption and production patterns. In 1972, UN Conference on the Human Environment recognized the need to defend and improve the human environment for present and future generations. In the same year, this is when the Club of Rome released its report, Limits to Growth, emphasizing the need to moderate not only their demand for children, but also their material lifestyles. To achieve this change would mean that the globe's people 
establish their status, derive satisfaction, and challenge themselves with goals other than increasing production and ever accumulating material wealth. In 1987, UN World Commission on Environment and Development releases the Brundtland Report. In 1992, UN Conference on Environment and Development recognizes that the major cause of continued deterioration of the global environment is the unsustainable pattern of consumption and production, particularly in industrialized countries, which is a matter of grave concern, aggravating poverty and imbalances. In 2002, World Summit on Sustainable Development called for the development of a framework in support of regional and national initiatives to accelerate the shift towards sustainable consumption and production to promote social and economic development within the carrying capacity of ecosystems. In 2003, the UN Marrakesh process on SCP was launched jointly by the UN Department of Economic and Social Affairs Division for Sustainable Consumption and Production and the UN Environment Program as a means to gather international experts on SCP to discuss the 10-year framework of programs. In 2012, UN Conference on Sustainable Development, or the Rio Plus 20, officially adopted the 10-year framework of programs on SCP. Then, in 2015, the UN Sustainable Development Goals, or the SDGs, was agreed upon and adopted by 163 member states, including Goal Number 12 on Responsible Consumption and Production. At present, countries are still in the process of formulating and implementing national plans on SCP based on the 10-year framework of programs. The problem with the mainstream understanding of SCP, as articulated in official policy documents including the SDGs, is threefold. First, the dominant SCP framework is limited to addressing only the economic and environmental pillars of sustainable development while ignoring social issues. This leads to an approach that focuses too much on resource efficiency and technological solutions while disregarding social inequalities underpinning unsustainable consumption and production patterns. While it is true that environmental emergencies pose urgent and difficult challenges, these issues cannot simply be resolved without looking at sustainable development in a more holistic manner, considering as well the economic and social pillars. Another problem with the dominant paradigm in the SCP discourse is its focus on the role of technology in making the production and distribution of goods and services more environment-friendly. It is true that technological innovations, especially when combined with suitable policies, could contribute to addressing global ecological challenges. 
but the potential and actual impact of advancements in technology in transforming how society consumes and produces, including how it manages wastes, should not be overemphasized as innovations alone. It must be stressed as well that technological innovations in the context of intercapitalist competition are pursued to make production efficient, but not necessarily sustainable. Second, conventional approaches to SCP also fall on the same mistake of focusing too much on individual consumption behaviors as a means to address and reverse these serious environmental concerns. Proponents of this SCP narrative argue that promoting a sustainable pattern of consumer demand and consumption can influence producers to embrace a more sustainable production process. As a result, producers can offer a greater number of green products and services while providing different consumption options. With wider choice and consumption options, green goods and services in turn can become more affordable and accessible thereby creating a closed cycle of SCP. The problem, however, with this theory is that it puts the onus on individual consumers to achieve SCP. Consumption, however, is bigger than the individual process of purchasing goods and services from the market. Rather, the process of consumption operates in a particular system of production, distribution, and exchange that enable the people's use of goods and services. Therefore, sustainable consumption must not be viewed simply as a process in itself, but in the wider context of the social organizations of consumption that underpins the environmental impacts of the daily use of various commodities. Third, it is crucial to understand that consumption and production in SCP are treated by mainstream discourse as if they were two separate concepts. The reality, however, is that production itself is a form of resource consumption. Thus, unsustainable consumption is not simply the overconsumption of consumers in the industrial countries or of the rich, but should also be appreciated as the over-exploitation of the planet's natural resources and the peoples, including the labor force of the global south. In other words, the problem of unsustainable consumption should be addressed not by merely making eco-friendly commodities and reorienting consumers to consume sustainably, but by ensuring that consumption of resources including production, should be eco-friendly and sustainable at the same time. Indeed, addressing unsustainable patterns of consumption and production requires going beyond efficiency, economic, and technological approaches. It also calls for addressing social issues in order for SCP to be fully realized, including among others, inequitable distribution of wealth and resources, and inequitable trading policies. This is especially true today in the era of neoliberal globalization, where local markets and economic sectors 
are indiscriminately opened up, basic rights and social welfare are rolled back, and the big private sector with narrow interests become even more powerful in setting the development agenda often at the expense of the great majority, especially in the global south. In a perverse irony, corporations are hijacking the SCP agenda by packaging their products and projects as green and sustainable, when in reality these products and projects are actually destroying the environment and violating people's rights. Examples of these are the iPhone carbon footprint and the case of New Clark City in the Philippines. As with most corporate marketing strategies, the iPhone is promoted as a green and sustainable choice anchored on the product's durability that purportedly allows users to continue using it the longest time possible. In addition, Apple has announced its commitment to use more recycled materials and bioplastics in its manufacturing processes. According to Apple's Vice President for Environment, Policy and Social Initiatives, Lisa Jackson, the company makes it a point to design durable products that last as long as possible. That means long-lasting hardware coupled with their amazing software because they last longer, it can be used, and keeping them in use is the best thing for the planet. But these greenwashing tactics became moot when the carbon footprint of iPhones is taken into account. According to Apple's own estimates, each iPhone model creates the following greenhouse gas equivalent. You will see on your screen a chart showing the models of iPhone as well as the greenhouse gas emissions, where iPhone 6 Plus has the biggest footprint. About 80% of these emissions are said to come from the production of iPhones, while about 15% is caused by device usage. Consider the iPhone 6 Plus, which produced the biggest carbon footprint to date at 110 kilograms of carbon dioxide. Estimates indicate that producing an iPhone 6 Plus is equivalent to burning 12.1 gallons of gasoline or a full tank of petroleum that could power a fuel-efficient hybrid car driving for 700 kilometers straight. In addition, Apple's frequency of upgrades and new model releases have reinforced a culture of obsolescence among iPhone users, discarding perfectly usable phones to purchase the latest model. In the past few years since the release of iPhone 4S, Apple has been releasing a new iPhone model yearly along with the frequent iOS updates that eventually make previous models look obsolete even when they are still functional and usable. Despite news of transitioning to 100% renewable energy and innovative recycling initiatives, Apple has continued to produce some of the largest e-waste in the world. In fact, in 2018 alone, Apple has produced 18,250 tons of e-waste ending up in landfills and exported to the global south. The next part is you will listen to an audio recording regarding the case of New Clark City, Philippines. 
the case of New Clark City, Philippines. The New Clark City or NCC is a massive 9,450 hectare infrastructure project envisioned to be a grand showcase of quote-unquote sustainable and quote-unquote environmentally friendly urban living in the Central Luzon region, Philippines. The site of the NCC is a former U.S. military base that has since then been converted into military exercise grounds by the Armed Forces of the Philippines or AFP. The NCC is initiated by the Basis Conversion and Development Authority or BCDA and masterminded by the Asian Development Bank or ADB along with other government actors such as the Japan Overseas Infrastructure and Investment Corporation or JOIN and Singapore's Surbana Horong among others. Despite being packaged as a quote-unquote sustainable city that will use new green technology and renewable energy sources, the entire project is set to displace farmers and indigenous Aita communities in the towns of Kapas and Bamban in Tarlac as well as parts of Mabalakat in Pampanga. Indigenous Aita communities have considered these areas as their ancestral domains for generations. The demolitions began in 2015 as backhoes and bulldozers gradually entered the site and leveled farm lots one by one just a few days before harvest time. Financial assistance packages amounting to 30 pesos per square meter or 0.6 US dollars per square meter were promised by the government to project affected communities. The BCDA also claims that it provided on-site relocation for affected residents but according to residents themselves, only 27 households were provided with relocation out of the 22,000 estimated families affected by the project. The respondents also argued that the relocation sites were temporary and will be forfeited after a period of 3 to 5 years. Military encampment and increased presence near the Aita and farming communities have intensified the repression and intimidation of residents with the aim of quelling dissent to the NCC. Uniformed military personnel as well as American troops have been seen visiting the site as part of joint military training exercises. These military personnel brandish high-powered firearms in front of residents creating an atmosphere of fear and intimidation. Individuals who speak against the NCC are tagged as subversives by the military, rendering them targets for physical harassment and killings. Since the construction began in 2013, the landscape of the area has changed dramatically due to extensive excavations that slashed entire mountains to a fraction and deforested large suite of mountains to pave way for connecting highways to nearby provinces. In addition, one of the major river systems has been rerouted to give way to the construction of access roads throughout the area. A counter-mapping study conducted by a team of researchers from the University of the Philippines Diliman tracked the expanse of construction work in NCC and revealed how it has affected the environment and nearby communities. The study showed that the communities such as those from Sitio Kalangitan lost access to their banana plantations and fruit-bearing trees on the mountainside when ongoing road constructions 
barred residents from entering their farmlands. Source, Ibon International, 2020. To summarize, the overall policy direction of SCP today is the narrow and weak SCP approach that is problematic due to the following reasons. 1. Restricted to the environmental and economic dimensions of development while disregarding social inequalities. 2. Too much focus on individual consumption and technological innovations as solutions. And three, treating consumption and production as separate concepts. Unsurprisingly, this is the approach favored by big businesses and most policymakers, as currently reflected in the various global platforms and initiatives, including the SDGs, and in particular SDG 12. While the SDG 12 is not necessarily deleterious, a lot is still to be desired if the world is truly to transform towards sustainable consumption and production. As the mainstream discourse ignores the fundamental question of how systemic and structural barriers that rest on social, cultural, political, and economic configurations of societies play a role in undermining SCP, it is crucial to advance a truly transformative SCP framework that will 1. Respond to a country and its people's particular needs and constraints and 2. Advance the realization of economic, social, cultural, and environmental development objectives. This entails recognizing the need to address overlapping inequalities between and among societies and countries while at the same time elevating the standards for policy formulation, reform, and implementation. That's it for now. See you all in Module 3. The Podcast Production Team Casey Victoria, Kate Santos, and Carl Glenn Roncal, Technical Assistants Billy Joy Creus and Wilmar Pachay III, Consultants Lorele Covera, Program Manager, and Ami Padilla, Executive Director. This podcast of the Ibon International Sustainable Consumption and Production Module has been produced with a financial contribution by the Swedish International Development Cooperation Agency through the Swedish Society for Nature Conservation, or the SSNC. The views herein shall not necessarily be taken to reflect the official opinion of SSNC or its donors.